This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. This is Eddie DeBartolo, and you're listening to The Eye Test for Two with Clark Judge and Ira Kaufman. Well, welcome to the Mother's Day edition of the Eye Test for Two. I bet you can figure that out from that song. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we are, of course, Hall of Fame voters. Joined today, as we are always, by Hall of Fame producer Ian Glendon. And guys, let's just get right to it. It's Mother's Day weekend. Uh, it's Sunday. What's the best advice your mother gave you? And Ian, I will start with you. Um, she once told me, do not break your goalie sticks. They cost 80 bucks a piece and it would come out of your <laughs> allowance. Um, th- that stuck with me for years because uh, every time I get frustrated and break one of those things, the first thing I would think of uh, would be her. Um, I-, I wouldn't say it was anything specific, more or less a just, uh, you know, she taught me how to be, I, I-, I guess, respectful and-, and just considerate of others. And I, I think that you know, as a foundation for, for building who I am or who I at least I, I believe I am. And that is, a I, I think I'm a good person and, and I attribute a lot of that to my mother. So um, that would be my, I guess, my bigger, broader lesson after uh, don't break your goalie sticks. They're expensive. You don't have to worry about those goalie sticks down in St. Petersburg, do you? No, 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 no. Trust me, I, I haven't been on the ice for quite some time. And it's not just because I live down here in Florida. It's Unfortunately, Ira has been on the ice for a long time, but not in rinks. So, Ira, what was the best advice your mom gave you? Well, Clark, first, I got to put away my handkerchief from that touching story from Ian Glendon over there (laughs) uh, and and dry my eyes. Clark, my mother spoke more with her actions than her words. And this is a true story, Judge. I don't want you hanging me in judgment over here. But, you know, me and my brother were colorblind. I'm colorblind, too. I'm colorblind, too. And so it happens. It happens. And people freak out when you tell them that. They can't They can't even understand it until you prove it to them. Well, anyway, Clark, true story. My mother put my socks on until I went to junior high school. My mother put my socks on because she didn't want me going in with one brown sock and one green sock. And I took enough abuse in public school without them looking at my socks. So, Clark, until I was 12 years old, I would remain in bed, laying on my stomach. My mother comes in with a pair of brown socks, and on they go. You can't beat that, Judge. You can't, you can't, you can't beat that. And your wife still does that, doesn't you? You lie in bed until your wife does that with your socks. <laughs> she stopped about a year ago. About a year yeah. ago. Okay, I'm going to pose that same question to today's guest, and that would be former 49ers defensive tackle, good friend of the show, and now Hall of Famer. Bryant Young. Now, B.Y. joined us earlier this year as a Hall of Fame finalist. And now, thankfully, finally, he's made history. He went from a finalist one year. I remember this. 2020, he was a finalist. Back to a semifinalist the next year. That'd be 2021 semifinalist, which means he didn't make the top 15. To a Hall of Famer this year. And, and that is a remarkable, remarkable jump. B.Y., first of all, congratulations and thanks so much for joining us again. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, it's certainly been a whirlwind. Um, 
And certainly it's great to be back on the show on the other side of uh, <laughs> where I was before, but uh, certainly it's a process and I'm so grateful for a lot of people that uh, have been part of this amazing journey and uh, the people who really spoke and advocated as well. Uh, just an incredible um, opportunity to have moving forward with the class of 2022 and uh, be a representative of such a uh, great institution and brotherhood. Well, B.Y., before we get to questions about the hall, um, we were talking about Mother's Day earlier, which is this weekend. I think it's May 8th on Sunday. Uh, and I asked Ian and Ira for the, the best advice their mother gave them. And I know, sadly, your, your mom passed away two years ago. But when you think back to growing up, what was the best advice you got from her? Wow, it, man, it was a ton of it. Um, my mom would always tell me, you know, just always respect people and treat them how you would want to be treated. And that was so valuable to me because uh, it was lessons learned away, you know, on, along the way in terms of just making sure that um, how I valued people, um, how I treated them, um, how I know I didn't want to be treated. So I had to do that in return make sure I do that, uh, respect people in a manner um, that will make them feel uh, special in a way that will uh, help. Um, and then in return, uh, get what, what I can get out of it. I wanna be treated with respect and be fair, uh, treated with fairness. And uh, so I needed to treat people that way. But, you know, my mom also was a huge, huge advocate, just not only what she talked about and what she instilled in us, but how she lived her life, you know, there were some unique qualities about my mom um, that spoke so big to me um, and spoke volumes just in terms of how she loved on people, um, how she served people. And uh, she just had a huge heart. She knew how to speak uh, the language of food. <laughs> so, but uh, more importantly, she, she, she loved uh, bringing people together um, she loved having uh, huge family gatherings and cooking people and serving them. And so I learned a lot from that, just uh, watching her and how she would um, just love on people in, in terms of her actions. Well, Irene, and you guys probably know I covered BY for six years in San Francisco, starting with his rookie season, 1994. And that was the first year I covered the 49ers. But he was the embodiment of everything he just detailed. Uh, he was the classiest guy in that locker room and everything he just talked about, he represented. I mean, when people talk about Brian Young, they talk about what a great player, what great character as well. And BY, I know you grew up in the Chicago and you went to high school, I think in the Chicago area, I'm pretty sure it was in the Chicago area. Chicago um, but yeah. I, yeah, but I know very little about your childhood. So what are your fondest memories of, of that childhood and, and the role your mom played in those memories? Uh, uh, huge, you know, my mom, my mom was really, really, quiet and introverted and um <clears throat> you know she was um this she worked there was a period of time where she worked at a nursing home and it's you know really speaks of her giving spirit and wanting to care for people um and she worked at a nursing home for a few years but most of my upbringing she she did not work she was a homemaker um, my dad was the sole breadwinner but I, I remember just um you know just um that's humble beginnings. Um, and, you know, we didn't always have everything that we wanted, but we had what we needed. 
and I thought that was important. You know, my parents, uh, my mom uh, didn't finish high school. Uh, she was a product of uh, just the great migration from the South, uh, moving up to uh, better opportunities and migrated up north to Chicago uh, for work, her and my dad. And so with uh, not a whole lot of education, she was very bright in terms of just uh, having great common sense and, and uh, knowledge and learning uh, things in her own and in life. Um, she taught us a lot of valuable lessons and, uh, you know, very rich times in that. So I'm grateful that um, she um, did have some awesome things that she was able to pass along to us. A couple of things, Brian, about uh, you as a new uh, entrant in, into Canton. Um, did you did you sit down for your bust yet, Mr. Young? And, and I what did. was that like? Uh, yeah. I, 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 uh, I went out early April and I sat down uh, with Scott Myers, who is commissioned to do my bust and uh when i walked in that room in dallas texas uh i tell you what man i, I saw this head i'm like shoot that's my head and, and, and it's and it's a lot of clay <laughs> like, that's a lot of clay i do have a big head mac mcpherson bill mcpherson right he once told uh um me and other guys who was like, hey, if you got a big head, you could play D-line and, and you're going to be a good defensive lineman. So I, I, evidently it kind of paid off. I had the big head, I had that trait. Um, but uh, Scott did, is doing or has done uh, or doing an amazing job. Um, and so uh, just just his uh, craftsmanship, um, his attention to detail. Um, I was so thrilled when I walked in the room, I saw the saw the sculpture and it looked like me and but i knew it wasn't the finished product and i need to needed to sit down for a few hours almost six seven hours and uh for him to put the final touches on and um when i walked away that day i was like wow i'm like he said but i'm still not done he said there's phases to this um so it's been a process uh, so there may be another opportunity i get to go back out to dallas and see uh, where he's at and uh but uh, I'm thrilled. I'm looking forward to seeing it, uh, the finished product. Brian, I, I'll ask you about another D tackle with a big head, Mr. Young. Um, and that's the guy who plays for the Rams, Aaron Donald, uh, certainly on, on, a, on, on an arc towards Canton. Uh, Brian, for somebody who played the position uh, so well, um, how much do you respect Donald's game? Do you like watching him? What makes him special? You know, I, I love watching Aaron uh, play the game. Um, he, he reminds me of a little bit of me, uh, but it's so much better, in my opinion, just in terms of uh, just his explosiveness, his ability to impact the game, uh, take over a series, uh, for sure change the outcome of a game. Um, he's, he's got great balance, great hands, great feet, uh, good hand-eye coordination, um, and he's strong. He plays with great leverage. Um, and I guess people would attribute that to his height. You know, I said, if you got, if you're born with leverage, keep it. <laughs> um, but he's not a very tall guy, but that's not uh, any knock against who he is as a player. Um, but he plays with great leverage and good hand uh, usage and separation. Uh, he's just fun to watch. Uh, he's explosive. He could dominate a game. And um, boy, he's having a, a, a fantastic career. 
We're speaking with Hall of Famer Bryant Young on the eye test for two. That would be Bryant Young, class of 2022. And B.Y., um, as you may know, we took that vote for the Hall in mid to late January. And then we knew the results, but we were told, don't tell anyone, okay? You cannot tell anyone. And, and, and I think with some exception, a few exceptions, that, that seemed to hold true. But I'm going to ask you, just now, months later, uh, were you surprised when the knock came at the door? And if so, how surprised? Because you knew you were you were one of the top 15 or had you been tipped off? Uh, right here is the Holy Bible. You may not see it, but I'm holding it up in my hand. You can see it. And I'm going to put my hand on it and say I was absolutely shocked and surprised. I had no idea. When that knock came on at the door, um, I was excited. I was shocked and uh, quite surprised. Um, of course, when I immediately opened the door, I knew what was happening. But to uh, to get that knock and not not knowing um, if it would happen for me this year, um, it was it was a dream come true for sure. Who's the first person you called? Uh, the first person I called. That's a good question. Well, there are probably a lot of people calling you, I bet. <laughs> I couldn't call anybody. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I didn't, uh, it was still, I had to be tight-lipped about it. Um, you know, my wife knew and my kids' family knew. Uh, my dad didn't know. That was the hardest phone call not to make. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't there for a reason. Um, my wife, of course, had the inside scoop to help with the surprise. And, and they were like, well, can you help us with this? And what would be out of the ordinary? We, we can't have you do anything that's going to be out of the ordinary. And so, um, excuse me. And so uh, she was like, well, his dad being here at this time of the year is going to be out of the ordinary. I'm like, okay, that's not going to happen. But when that happened, I, I, I could not. It was just so hard not to give him a call because he's such a, you know, just a proud father. Uh, he's been great along the way. And um, it, 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 but when I had the opportunity to make that, um, that announcement, I, I for sure let him know. You know, I was, I was kind of, I'll be honest though, I was kind of throwing hints at him throughout the day uh, on uh, NFL <laughs> Honors Day, <laughs> but he did not pick up on it. <laughs> it was uh it was it was so funny but uh um but yeah he was he was the first person that i reached out to and and um when i could and let him know brian i want to ask you a couple of things about uh, your rookie season first of all obviously brian you, you're you're a young man you enter the nfl you don't know what to expect a couple of months later you got your arms around the vince lombardi trophy i mean that's a that's a fairy tale. Uh, so, Brian, two things. One, once that season ended, did you say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be back here about six more times before my, my career is over? And two, I want to ask you about this guy. Brian, his name never comes up. He's buried in history. We don't talk about him. He was your coach. And it was his second Super Bowl champion team that he directed was your rookie year. He had won one in 89. Brian, George Seifert, what, what was he like? He went to Carolina. It was so-so. I think that hurts him in terms of Canton. Um, but he's a guy that doesn't seem to get, um, you know, any traction. Uh, what about George Seifert? 
Uh, I'll say this uh, to the first question. Um, it, it was uh, the standard was set, the precedent was set, and to to be able to win a championship in our first year, it just really set the bar very very high. And so every year you you anticipate, and that was the expectation. Uh, but to achieve that year in and year out was very very difficult. And uh, you know, but had the opportunity to do that with uh, George Seifert, who I dearly loved as a coach. Uh, he was so great to me um, in my first three years. Um, I, I just, you know, for a guy that's been around it, that understand it, that has led um, well as a head coach, for him not to be in the Hall of Fame is a huge shock to me. Uh, having uh, won a, a few championships uh, under his belt, um, I, I think when you look at his body of work, uh, what did he accomplish, not what he didn't accomplish. All right. So that's to me, like he accomplished a lot. Um, he's been around some great teams. So uh, I think he deserves to be in there. I got a lot of respect for George Seifert. Um, I loved I love this style of coaching. And um, yeah, it's 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 a huge shock to me that he's not in the Hall of Fame right now. We'll speak with Bryant Young on the eye test for two. BYU just got in the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2022. And BY, I'm glad you mentioned that about George Seifert. Um, he's another guy. Ira knows that I'm very large on trying to go forward. But of course, that's because I covered that team. I know what he was like. He was the best coach I ever covered. And um, uh, despite from being a great coach, he was a terrific and is a terrific person to deal with. A um, couple of things for me on, on your career too. Um, who had the biggest impact on you during your career? And I'm not talking about just pro. It can go all the way back to junior high, high school, college. Who had the biggest impact on your career and, and how? Well, there, there's a there's a lot of people that had a huge part of my career. Um, you know, um, I think when when I go back to it, of course, having the foundation built um, in high school, first year playing in high school is my freshman year. We went undefeated. And so there were some great coaches there that uh, there were characters that were great in their own right. Um, John Piazza was the head coach and Fred Krueger, um, we used to call him Freddy Krueger, um, Coach <laughs> Hope, you know, those were the guys, kind of the foundation of, of me starting football. And so I think back to those beginning years, the humble beginnings, and I cannot um, forget those guys that, that had this, that was with me from the start of, of my football career. Um, but, you know, moving along, um, you know, Going to Notre Dame, having a chance to be under Lou Holtz, what Holtz was a huge impact. Uh, his leadership, his ability to move the crowd and inspire, um, his philosophies on life, his nuggets, his information, um, just was life giving to me. Um, and then, um, as well as uh, you know, some other coaches and um, you know, uh, Rick Mentor was our defensive coordinator. And uh, Mike Turgovac, my defensive line coach, who I was with for two years, uh, my last two years, and who had a chance to coach in the NFL with the Panthers as a D-line coach and coordinator, I believe, um, had a tremendous impact. You know, I had a high school wrestling coach, Baxter Stewart and, and Ernie Thompson, who had a huge impact, although they didn't coach me in football, but they taught me so many other things in terms of how to compete. And uh, I think that was important too. So when I take a bit of that from wrestling and how they inspired me and they poured into me in that way, um, it really gave me some 
tools and added to my foundation as a competitor. And that helped me to become a better football player. Um, but when I got to the league and I looked around and I, I saw a lot of great uh, defensive linemen, um, you know, growing up a Chicago Bear fan, of course, you look at the leadership of that huge defense and Mike Singletary and Richard Dent at the time and had some great linebackers and funky QB. Um, but then I had a chance to play with Richard Dent and then Ricky Jackson and uh, <laughs> Charles Mann, who I watched in Washington for a while. And, and Tim Harris was there and just a cast of characters, but you had the Pro Bowl guys, the Hall of Fame guys that were there that you learned a lot from. Um, and, then, and I took a little bit of every part of their game and the advice that they gave me to implement it into my own and um, make it unique to me. And uh, so that was, you know, when I think about the people that influenced my life, those type of players, my own teammates, um, not even in the defensive line room, but like Steve Young and Jerry Rice, his, his work ethic was unmatched. Um, he, he definitely gave me a, a great example in terms of, you know, how to be a pro and uh, set the bar high and how to compete every day. Um, he was consistent. And uh, he gave me the example of consistency and putting in the work um, and no matter what. It was good, bad, or indifferent, always going back to the drawing board. And uh, a lot of influential coach, coaches along the way as well. Um, Dwayne Board, who I was my D-line coach for a long time. Dan Quinn, uh, who had a chance to be coached by and also work alongside with. Um, and then, you know, George Seifert, um, you know, we talked about him. And uh, Steve Mariucci, who was a longtime coach of mine as well. But when I think about ownership, Eddie DeBartlow really set the bar high and has touched my life in ways that um, I didn't know was possible in terms of uh, just being a loving, compassionate, family-oriented uh, person uh, who cares deeply about his players. And that really um, was the top-down approach that that was the pillar to the 49ers success. And so I'm just excited to have been a part of that and have crossed paths with, with uh, uh, Mr. D. And uh, he has definitely influenced my life, not only just in the locker room, in the organization, um, but a lot off the field as well. Um, he has done a tremendous job, just, uh, just loving um, and serving and, and just you know being a resource um and uh, ear to listen um so i'm grateful for a lot of people um that have impacted my life yeah i'm, I'm glad to hear you mention that about eddie debartolo because he lives in the tampa area and ira and ian both are there and we've had him on this program before and i covered the team when eddie was owning it and you talk to players and they will tell you it's not so much what he does for you as a player it's what he does for you off the field. And I know how he helped you during some very tough times. And I know how he helped Dwight Clark or tried to help Dwight Clark during some very tough times. And uh, he always seems to be there when players are in need. And he's in the Hall of Fame because of what he did on the field, that 49er team did on the field. But he could be in the Hall of Fame also for what he's done for his players off the field. Absolutely. No question uh, about it. I have one other question here, and that's um, you mentioned teammates. You go back to Notre Dame, uh, Aaron Taylor, former offensive tackle, you know, very well, offensive lineman. Um, he said Canton was built for men like Bryant Young. 
And what he was talking about was not so much what you did on the field, although he talked about what a dominant player you were on the field. He was addressing your character. And to take this conversation full circle, that character is impeccable. And I, I, as I said, I was in that locker room for six years. I saw it firsthand. Um, you weren't the quote machine that others were, but you were always, always there. You were always upbeat and you were always a man of principle. Where did that come from? I mean, did it come from your parents? Did it come from your, your grandparents, your friends? Where did it come from? Because you've been unerring and you've had some obstacles thrown in your way. And yet you've remained very constant and true to that character. Yeah, I, I think it's a culmination of a lot of my parents, my upbringing. But I would have to also throw in my personality, just who I am. Um, I'm, I'm really an introverted, quiet guy. And, uh, and so it, it takes effort for me to, to really um, to be um, social. I could be an extrovert but it takes work, but naturally I'm an introvert. Um, but you know what, I, I think just watching by example and just seeing how my dad, my mom, they treated people, um, how they loved on people, um, how they uh, just lived life. And that was one of the best teachers. And uh, it taught me a lot. And I always felt like, you know, for me, um, I know this is said many times, the rent is always due. It is always due um, every day. And so for me, it was, I'm not a big talker. I'm going to go in, do my work, do what I have to do to get better, to inspire my teammates, uh, to make sure that I'm accountable to them, to this organization. And I'm not going to talk about it, um, but I'm going to show you, I'm going to be about it. And so for me, that was, that was my mantra. And that's what, um, how I live, those were the cornerstones of things that I live by, um, just being um, just a man of uh, action and not a lot of words, because <laughs> I think actions definitely speaks louder than words. Um, but, you know, I'm really, when I think about a community of people that have helped me, um, that have been around me, I am just a product of a lot of people that have sharpened me in, in so many different ways. Um, and along with my personality and, and things that make it unique to, to who I am. And, um, and so um, I'm a very competitive person. Um, I'm a very uh, compassionate person, but I'm also, I'm gonna not show all of my emotions either you'll never know how I'm really feeling because I want to keep my emotions in check. I can be, I'm, I'm a, I would almost compare myself like the Hulk. Like there was a couple, you know, different movies in the series where, you know, the Hulk was always, he said, I'm always like upset, but he just didn't show it. He was always the Hulk. When he was now walking around as the Hulk, he wasn't like this violent guy. And he knew how to control it. And so, and we're all just a decision away from just going off the handle or doing whatever. Um, but, you know, um, it was part of that, you know, being that being my personality, but, um, you know, um, just wanting to be around and be respected and love on people um, the way they deserve and, and get that in return.
Clark, you got the you got the cover Bryant Young, Clark. I, I got the cover Warren Sapp. <laughs> End of story over there, Judge. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one more for me, and thanks so much for your time. Brian, your last, you know, your last season was about 15 years ago. And Brian, I want to ask a great player. Uh, you know, the dynamic, the power dynamic seems to be changing in the NFL. Uh, Brian, uh, players have more power. They're, they're flexing their muscles. Uh, they, they don't want to be on this team. They want to be paid. Um, and talk about a little bit about the Depot, Samuel. I know you follow your 49ers. Uh, Brian, talk about the tough spot Lynch is in. I, I think he's right to, to keep Debo Samuel. I think he's that important to the Niners. Uh, but there's things to be worked out. What, what's going on in the NFL power dynamic right now, uh, uh, Brian? Well, I mean, like you said, there's more at, at stake. And I think the players have realized uh, how, they're, how, much, how, how much more they're important uh, and they're realizing that, not that they didn't before, but they're having the confidence to step forward and, and really be vocal about uh, what they are willing to do and what they're not willing to do. Teams they're willing to play for and teams they're not willing to play pay, play for. And um, and so that's just kind of the, the the how this thing has really just evolved. Um, um, the players, when you look at the money that's at stake, you know, there's a lot of money at stake now. And so you, you look at that and, and you, you play into it a little bit. And so players feel that they have a right to voice their opinions and because of their talents and they bring so many different uh, attributes and qualities to the table for the team, um, they are just hanging their hat on trying to get the most out of it. Uh, as, as we all know that this is a short-lived sport, so they're trying to get as much as they can out of it. And so, um, you know, I hope there everything works out with Debo. He is valuable to the 49ers. He's an absolutely great player. And uh, uh, people probably hate me saying this, but I, I think he deserves to get paid what he deserves to get paid. He's a great player. He does a lot for that offense. And, and um, he's an electric player. He puts people in the seats. Um, he's a great uh, character guy. I hadn't heard any bad things about him. And so when you have a player that's a really, really dynamic player, that um, is a great character person, um, understands it from a community standpoint, he's the guy you're, you should be willing to invest in. But, hey, last question. Who's going to present you at Canton? Do you know? Yes, I do. Uh, so I think I'm the only one that's doing it different. <laughs> this was it was easy but it was it was hard my choice was very very easy but I just didn't know how it would go over with me having two presenters um so Eddie DeBartlow uh, Jr. and my my oldest child uh Kai my daughter is gonna present so I'm, I'm thrilled I'm honored to have them because each have meant so much in my life um, and I already spoke of Mr. D, just him giving me the opportunity to be a 49er and then just, you know, how I've been adopted, sort of speaking as family and and just going, going above and beyond, beyond off the field. And then my daughter represents every, all of us, you know, just our family. Um, I think, you know, where she's at in her career and her life, uh, I would love for her to have this moment to to be a part of this as the head of her siblings um, is what I envisioned. 
um, her one day uh, doing something of this magnitude um, and representing and being an example uh, to her siblings. And uh, so I'm thrilled, I'm honored, and uh, that they said yes. How emotional do you think that night's going to be? Or actually, it's the afternoon today, I guess. That, that yeah, is... 12 to 3, they, they changed it around a yeah. little bit. Yeah. yeah. Um, How emotional do you think it's going to be? You know what? I, we have a, this shortened eight-minute uh, talk or right. speech that we have to give. So right. a, a lot will have to go. I'm probably going to speak uh, faster than I ever spoke before. <laughs> so you guys be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but a lot has to go into eight minutes. And um, I think... You know, I, I want to nail it and get it right in that that nugget of time. Um, I think it'll be a very try not to get emotional because of time, but I think mm -hmm. it's going to be an emotional uh, day night um, because because of everything that's transpired, not just on the field, the ups and downs, overcoming adversity, but also just you know things that transpired off the field, and that's why it's such a special moment. You know, we when I look at um, life and how we get to certain places um we are in certain places and we don't even know we deserve to be there and and i believe that god is already working so far ahead of us that uh it works out in in our favor um a lot of times but it takes it takes the growth it takes the hard moments it takes the good times it takes this place to grow you it takes these people to sharpen you and develop you and so um i'm just excited to be where i am today um and uh but knowing that it's just not all guys god he's certainly um seen it way before i did and so i'm grateful to to be a part of this amazing opportunity Bryant young as always congratulations thanks so much for the time and we will see you in canton this August. Promise. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks, BY. That was Bryant Young, class of 2022, and Ira. I, I love listening to him talk. And when I talk to you about character, he is the epitome of it. I mean, he never was strained from that uh, resolve that you saw here. He was always a guy who uh, was quiet on the outside. I guess there was turmoil on the inside, but played with an anger. You never saw it in the locker room, and you never saw it when you were dealing with them. Class act, always a class act. Clark, I, I thought you had a shot as a co-presenter. I thought you had a shot, but uh, you got beaten out by uh, by his daughter and uh, Eddie Eddie D. Yeah, close, call. close call, close call, close call. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there they are again. Our uh, people cheering, they're cheering from you because you're at the mic today. You were there somewhere. When and what were you doing? Clark, I was there, and I think you were probably there, and I'm going to combine the twin themes, Mother's Day and Bryant Young. Oh, wow. The, okay. the antithesis of Bryant Young. My man, 99, Warren <laughs> Sapp. The first, I buck, the first buck I ever made a speech for, for Canton. So, Clark, there I was, sitting in the crowd, August 3rd, 2013. You might have been there. And look, Clark, everybody knows Sap could be brusque, he could be crass, he could be mean. And Ian, that's on a good day, Glendon. That's on a good day. Right. But, but on August 3rd, 2013, I got to see the other side, Clark. When he stood at that post, called himself, quote, one humble, proud country boy from Plymouth, Florida. 
and then proceeded to speak eloquently about Annie Roberts, his mother, sitting in the front row, tears in her eyes, tears in Sapp's eyes, and here's what he said, Clark. Annie Roberts, you were my rock, my everything. I was going to make you proud. My whole goal was to retire you. Clark, she was working five jobs, and she was raising six kids. And it all comes back, and you bring it all back home and on the steps of Camp Ohio and reflect on your career. And then there was Warren Sapp Clark talking about his mama. And I don't care who you are. When you talk about your mama, it gets emotional. Yeah, no question about it. And I don't think you have to stand on the steps of Canton to realize that. I mean, honestly, I think it's every Mother's Day this Sunday when you think back of what your mom told you and you know what impact it had. My mom's gone. And I think of her every time, every time this, this, uh, this day comes around. Anyway, um, our thanks for that. Final thoughts, by the way. It's, listen, it's Mother's Day week, but it's also, guys, it's, it's Cinco de Mayo week. So, you know, RL Jumpy here. In observance of that occasion, I would like to ask both you and Ian to name your favorite Latino Hispanic player. Who was it? Uh, Ian, I'll start with you. Who was your favorite? Well, I, I would, you know, I know the maybe the pre-notes to the show said not Tony Gonzalez, but but look, I'm a big fan of, of tight ends. I was a big Ben Coates fan when I was a kid. So yeah. when I got older and I saw Tony Gonzalez play, he was just different. He was a different type of uh, beast on the field and... Yeah, I my my fandom of his has only grown since the emergence of Travis Kelsey because Chiefs fans, Ira, I think you need to uh, have a talk with some of your old uh, countrymen there. Chiefs fans seem to have forgotten about Tony Gonzalez because they think Travis Kelsey has surpassed him. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> let's 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 pump the brakes. Let's go back and actually appreciate yeah. Tony Gonzalez's career, which was phenomenal. Ira, who's your choice? Uh, I got to go with Anthony Munoz uh, for a couple of reasons. One, and you've said it many times on this show, and and no matter how many times you say it, it is still a startling statement. He's the only Bengal with a bust. The only one. Um, Astonishing. Clark, maybe we can change that in the next couple of years in terms of seniors, because I'm not giving up on this Ken Riley thing. I'm just not giving it up. I'm bringing his name up as many times as I can. But, Clark, Anthony Munoz, to me – and I didn't see Jim Parker. I didn't. Um, he wrote the book on, on playing offensive tackle in the National Football League. His technique, his size, his skills. Um, Clark, what a class act, Anthony Munoz. And um, I just think he defined the position all these years later, Clark. Anthony Munoz, Mex- proud Mexican-American. Yeah, he did. And I agree with you. I agree with both you guys. I mean, those are probably the the two foremost that people would name. I, I'm going to come up with an unlikely one because he may not have been the greatest, but he to me was one of my favorites. And that's a linebacker, Ted Hendricks. You know, people are going, wait, a mad story? What, what are you talking about? You know, Hispanic? He's the first Guatemalan born player in NFL history. Uh, Four time Super Bowl champ, um, six time All Pro, eight time Pro Bowler on the 75th anniversary team, 100th anniversary team. He was a great player. He was a great player. Those two guys that you mentioned were great players, too. And Ira, I think just to follow up about what you said about the Bengals, absolutely, we've got a chance now to do something about Ken Riley, but also another Ken in Cincinnati, and that's Ken Anderson. Right. Anyway, that's going to do it. Uh, We'd like to thank Bryant Young for joining us, Ian Glendon, as always, for producing us. 
you've listened to us, or you want to listen to listen to this or any other podcast, just go to full press coverage and then pull down the podcast icon. It's pretty easy. If you don't want to, hey, just tune in next week because we will be here. Thanks again for listening.